Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. The first chapter, and we're going to start in verse number 8. Uh, Nehemiah, the first chapter, and uh, verse number 8. How many would like the Lord to speak to you tonight? I mean really speak to you. I'm not talking about just have a little talk, but I'm talking about directly speak to you. I want the Lord to speak to me. I, I want him to just tell me what's on his mind. Not what I want to hear, but what, what the Lord would want me to hear. You know, sometimes Satan is so good at, at, at distracting us in service, sometimes with, with the idea of, oh, man, he's preaching to that one. Anybody ever had that thought or had that thought last night in the middle of the mess? Woo, man, he's preaching to her. Sometimes the enemy will cause you to think like that so you will forget that I'm actually preaching to you as well. Amen. I want, to, I want the Lord to preach to me tonight. I want him to speak to my heart. And, and um, I promise you tonight I could dismiss the room and, and preach to myself. Um, I know the Lord has, has given me this, this thought for you, but I know he's given it um, to me as, as well. We're going to go to the book of Nehemiah, the first chapter in verse number 8. Nehemiah 1 and 8. Please continue to pray for our international endeavors. The Lord is moving greatly and opening up great doors, and we need your support, need your prayers, and uh, we, we want you to join in and pray for us that God will just continue to expand the gospel. There's still people that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nehemiah, the first chapter and verse number 8, the Bible says, Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, if ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among all, excuse me, among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. It's very simple. If you depart from the word of God, the promise is there will be a scattering, but if you return to him and keep his commandments, though it be scattered abroad, God is able to bring it back together. Obedience will always bring restoration. It is that simple. You want restoration in your life? Bring obedience to your life. Obedience is better than sacrifice. I mean, I mean tears are great. Weeping's great, shouting's great, but I'm going to tell you what will put a family back together is obeying the Word of God, living by the Word of God. And that's hard for some people to swallow, but I believe it's still true today. If you'll do this, you can put a family back together. God can gather in what has been separated. Matthew, not Matthew, but let's go to verse 10. It says, Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant, this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Those last six words are so powerful. Nehemiah said, For I was the king's cupbearer. Nehemiah said, I was the king's cupbearer. Here you have a man that has found out that his homeland has been attacked, been destroyed, the walls are on fire, the bridges have been burned and destroyed. And he has got a burden to go do something about it. And he's trying to plea with God. God, give me favor with this man. And the last thing you wanted to remind God is, I, you know, God, I'm in a special place because I was the king's cupbearer. I'm, I'm not just anybody. I've been serving in this kingdom. I've been serving this king. And, and if you will help me, we can get something done. So I, I want to preach to you this evening about the king's cupbearer the king's cupbearer lord we need your help tonight 
Speak to my heart. How many can put their Bibles down and, and lift up both their hands and say, Lord, I want you to preach to me, Lord. Speak to my heart tonight. God, we're so thankful, Lord, for this revival, Lord, that has came. And, Lord, we're feeling the presence of the Lord. And this is a true apostolic church, God. Your, your spirit has moved vibrantly throughout the course of this service, not in just one or two places, but God, you have came with your waves of glory. Lord, and you're continuing to move. You're, 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 it's radiating in this room right now. But God, you got a word for the hour. You got something you'd like to share with us tonight, God. Lord, I want to be obedient to your kingdom, to your word, Lord. Help me help somebody in this place, Lord, through your word, God. Speak directly and specifically, God. Help me, Lord. You know what I've got prepared. You know what I've studied. But, God, if it's not here in front of me, Lord, if you'll reveal it to me, I'll speak it, Lord. I want to be your willing servant in the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody say, in the name of Jesus. Clap your hands unto the Lord, and you may be seated. Thank you. For standing. The disciples met a man who had a son with an unclean spirit, a spirit that tormented him, and the disciples could do nothing with him, could do nothing with the child. And Pastor McGee, they, they couldn't cast out the spirit, and for that reason, they were frustrated. Jesus enters the equation, and he simply tells the father, He said, If thou can believe all things are possible in other words if you've got enough faith to do it I've got enough power to handle it so Jesus prays in that moment and instantly the child is cured and oh what a celebration they had and as great as that miracle was the disciples were still perplexed for they were not just spectators, they were participators. They were, they were followers of Jesus Christ. They, they done and they sat around and listened to his word and expected to do what he promised that they would be able to do. And even though Jesus had healed this child, there was something in their mind that was trying to understand, why couldn't I do this? They were confused. Though it was a great miracle, they couldn't let it go, the fact that they could not perform the miracle. I, we thought you were going to empower us. We thought we were going to have the power to be the sons of God and do what you've called us to do. Mark 9 and 28 reveals this very subject. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately. They chose the right time to ask Jesus this very, very complex question, which was simply this, why could not we cast him out? Jesus, we're glad to be on your team. We're glad to be walking with you. But you said you've given us power as well, and we're wondering why we haven't been able to do this. And Jesus wasn't ashamed to tell them the truth. He got right down to the matter, and he told them, he said, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. He pointed to two things. He pointed to prayer and fasting, and that's two things that takes a servant to do. It takes a servant to pray, and it takes a servant to fast because there is no spotlights in prayer and fasting. There is no glory in prayer and fasting. There is no handing out of medals when it comes to prayer and fasting. And actually, if you do it right, nobody even knows about your prayers and your fasting. Jesus is trying to tell them that this issue was a kingdom issue and unless you serve in this kingdom, you cannot handle these type of things. You see, there's nothing glamorous about prayer and fasting, but in order to advance over this kind, you must serve in this realm. Four scriptures later, the disciples were not finished, but there was more questions. Mark 9 and 33 says, and he came to Capernaum being in the house. He asked them, Jesus says, and what was it that you disputed among yourselves, by the way? They held their peace for, by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. Nothing wrong with that question. Who will be the greatest? Jesus responds to them. You know, Jesus ain't afraid to answer questions. 
Jesus responds with a shocking truth. With something unorthodox. Something to that time made no sense and something that most of the time in our life makes no sense. But he sat down and he called the twelve and said unto them, he said something so powerful, he said, if any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. Jesus wasn't afraid to identify who was going to be great in this kingdom. He didn't say there wasn't going to be greatness. He didn't say there wasn't going to be great people. He just said there is a way to greatness. And this is the way he said you're going to be great. He says you're going to be a servant. Servanthood will bring greatness. Servanthood will make you great in this kingdom. If you're really, really interested in how to advance in the greatness, Jesus says, I'm going to show you how. Most people think he was trying to to, to just come down and rebuke them. I don't think he was at all. I think Jesus was just saying, hey, if you want to be great, you're going to be half to the last of all and servant of all. You know what that means? You're going to have to put everybody else first. You're going to have to put other needs in front of your needs. You're going to have to be a servant in this kingdom. It's about sacrifice. It's about putting others first. It's about putting your desires at the bottom of the list. It's about serving those in front of you. The bold truth that I must declare unto you this night is you cannot serve yourself and be successful in this kingdom. I want to be clear. Jesus made himself clear. This kingdom is about serving. It's about serving God and it's about serving each other. Serving a kingdom that is beyond you, bigger than you, stronger than you, more powerful than anything you could ever do. I want to be a servant to this kingdom. There's always a part of us that wants it our way. But in order to bear the cup, we've got to surrender to the king's ways. We've got to surrender to his desire. We've got to... When Nehemiah asked some men who had come from Judah about his Jewish homeland, they told him, they said, the walls of Jerusalem is broken down. The gates have been burned with fire. And it moved him to tears. You see, Nehemiah's father had instilled a love for Judah in his son. So when Nehemiah heard the news about Judah, he wept and mourned for days and then began to serve in fasting and praying before the God of heaven. You see, before God ever gives anybody a public work, a private burden must be borne. And without the burden of a without the birth of a private burden, there really is no public work for you in this kingdom. You see, before Nehemiah ever mixed mortar and started rebuilding, he was weeping tears over a desolate homeland. God's going to bless those weeping men and women who've cried tears over their families and tears over this city and wept before God. While praying to God, while serving the kingdom, while bearing the cup, Nehemiah reminded his God of his promise. He said, God, remember the word that you gave your servant Moses. You said, if we're unfaithful, I'll scatter you among all nations. But if I can return to you and we can return to your commandments, even though we've been an exiled people at the farthest horizon, I believe you are strong enough to bring it all back together. He said, O Lord, I beseech thee now, let thine ear be attentive unto the prayer of thy servant and to thy servants who fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. That statement was so powerful when he released it. You see, the Lord had blessed the life of Nehemiah. He was the cupbearer. He was a servant to the king. Nehemiah was asking God to grant him mercy and reminding God that he had been close to the king, that he had served this king. The original Greek word, or excuse me, the Hebrew word of the Old Testament meant causing to drink. It usually translated as either cupbearer or butler in the English language. You see, any time that the king was thirsty, Nehemiah was there. Whenever the king needed a drink, Nehemiah was there with that cup. 
Even though Nehemiah had done a great work and initiated a great plan that rebuilt his city, it started with a simple cup that said, God, I want to serve you. Nehemiah was dependable. Anytime the king was thirsty, he was there with his cup. Even though Nehemiah felt the burden and wept with tears, he didn't want to leave without the blessing of the king. I appreciate that about a young preacher, about a young man who's got such a burden, even though he's burdened down with the people. He says, I'm not going to go until I have the approval of the king because I understand something about kingship. When the king sends you, you've got resources and power and strength you can't get by yourself. I want to serve in this kingdom. And when my time comes, I'll be sent and God will help me. He wanted, he didn't want to leave without the blessing of the king. He was a true servant. Willing to obey. Willing to listen. We wonder why our families are in tragedies and we've got all these problems which... For a long time, we have consistently not listened to the preacher. We've consistently ignored his advice from the pulpit. And some of you wanted a private meeting, but you found out what he preaches in public is what he believes in private. We cannot, ladies and gentlemen, I hate to break your heart's first, second night of this revival, but we cannot continue in disobedience and expect everything to be fine and our children will be okay and everything's fine. No, you will scatter your family in rebellion. If you really want to rebuild, if you really want to start something, obey the word of God. didn't want to leave without the blessing of the king. The truth is, for a spare of time, Nehemiah, hear me and hear me well, Nehemiah was bearing the burden of his country and bearing the cup. Isn't that amazing? I got a burden to do something, but I'm still going to serve. I got a burden to do something, but I'm still going to serve. My lack of ability to do what I have a burden to do is not going to keep me from serving. I'm going to continue to serve. He had a burden for his country, but he continued to serve. You see, timing and support is so vital in ministry. Just because you need to go doesn't always mean you should go now. You got to bear the king's cup and wait for the orders of the king. Don't force yourself into a door when the timing is not right. Young men, hear me and hear me well. Serve and be patient. Be patient and serve. Serve and be patient. Wait for God's timing. Wait for the king. Nehemiah is wanting to go, but he's still serving. Too many of us, when it doesn't happen fast enough, we sit down and do nothing. I know that's a bold and indicting statement, but it's so true, and I've seen so many people do it. When it don't go their way, they put down their cup. When it don't go the way they want it, and in their time, they stop serving. You're never going to get anywhere in this kingdom like that. you got to serve when you feel like it. Serve when you don't. Do it I want to bear the king's cup. Weep your tears in private. Pray and confess to God. But don't lose your cup. Don't let the devil... I'm telling you, Brother McGee, God spoke to me tonight. He's after somebody's cup in this room. He's trying to take your servanthood. He's trying to get you bitter so you do nothing for God anymore. But I choose the cup. Even though it's not going my way, I choose the cup. I will not put down my cup. I will not stop serving this kingdom. I may do it with tears in my eyes, but I will not put down this cup. 
I may weep in private and cry and pray and fast for God to help me, but I will not put down this cup. One thing to realize about being a king's cupbearer, it ain't about you, it's about a king. It's about a kingship. It's about a kingdom. It has nothing to do with your ways, your desires, your wants, your thoughts. You better hear me. You want to be great in this kingdom. You better consider some other people. We've got to be careful with this. I want it this way. You better be careful with that kind of attitude. Well, they didn't sing my song. He didn't preach my sermon. It didn't go the way I wanted to. Man, I wish Pastor McGee would do this. I wish they would do that. I w- you better be careful. Satan's after your cup. He's trying to get you to quit. He's trying to get you to stop serving. This ain't Burger King. This ain't your way right away. This is the kingdom of God. We serve a king beyond us. So I didn't get to preach. I still got my cup. So I didn't get to sing. I still got my cup. So it didn't go my way. I still got my cup. So the vote didn't go the way I wanted. I still got my cup. I refuse to stop serving. We're in the house of the Lord. This is the king's house. My question for you tonight is, did you bring the king's cup with you? You see, when you bear the king's cup, there's only one that can drink from that cup. What was in that cup was for the king and the king alone. When Nehemiah entered the room with that cup of royalty, there was no doubt in that room where that cup was going. That cup was going to the king's lips and nobody else. I ain't doing this for you. I ain't doing this for them. This is for the king. I brought this to the king and the king only. It may sound funny to you, but it ain't about you. You may not like the way I worship, but it ain't about you. It's about him. I might even speak in a language that you don't understand. That's okay. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to... Come on, somebody. It's about time you get a cup that only belongs to the king. I don't sing for nobody else. I don't preach for nobody else. I don't worship for nobody else. I'm bearing the... It's for him. How can you still go to church after all you've been through? How can you still go to church with that family that talk bad about you? I tell you why. Because there's a cup in my hand and this cup is going to the king. I don't care who likes it. I don't care what others do. It's about him. So you got your feelings hurt. Join the crowd. We've all been hurt, but I will not put down my cup. I will not stop. I will not. I'm bearing a cup. It's for the king. It's for the king. It's not for anybody else. You, 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 be seated. You, you really think you're the only one that comes to church wounded? You really think you're the only one that comes in this church sometimes when you don't feel like it? I'm bearing a cup. I'm not, I'm not putting my cup down. I'm sorry. Yeah, I've been talked about, but I'm not putting my cup down. Yeah, things didn't go my way. Yeah, the preacher got on my toes last night. Why am I here? I got a cup in my hand. And I'm not putting down my cup. This is my cup. And it's only for the king. It's only for him. It's not for anybody else. It's not for anybody else. 
I'd, I'd rather, I'm going to tell you right now, I'd rather stay in this church hurt than to stay out there and backslide. What did you just say? That's exactly what I said. I'd rather be here hurt with my feelings hurt, with my heart crushed. I'd rather be in a pew with a cup than stay at home and die lost. I want to serve. I want to serve. I want to bear the king's cup. Don't put down your cup. Don't put down your cup. Get back to the firing line. Get back to the altar. Come back. Lift your hands with me right now. Why would you punish God for something that happened to you? So you put your cup down and you don't do anything. Guess who suffers? The kingdom suffers. And the king can't depend on you. King's thirsty and you're not there. King needs something done, but you're not there. You're hung up somewhere in some season of hurt. I read something too long ago in the book of Acts. You know, I'm, I'm, brother, I've made up my mind. Brother McGee, I want a book of Acts revival. That's what I'm wanting. I don't want a new wave revival. I want a book of Acts revival. So I've been, I've been reading the book of Acts. I want to know how they've done it. I want to know what happened. I want to, I want to dissect the, the greatest beginning of the, church, the, the beginning of the church, the greatest revival ever happened. The Bible is in the book of Acts. Book of Acts chapter 13, verse 2. This is, this is something so powerful. If they could, I know I didn't turn it in, but if they could get that up there, Acts 13 and 2 would be great. If not, that's fine, but I'll read it to you. The Bible said, And as they ministered to the Lord. <laughs> how about that? As they ministered, oh, oh, am I reading that right? To the Lord? Really? To the, to the Lord? I, I thought we ministered to, to, to each other. I thought the ministry was about, but this says, this talking about the, the, the disciples, the apostles, it says, they ministered unto the Lord. Watch this. And fasted, and the Holy Ghost said, the Holy Ghost spoke, let me tell you, when you make it about him, you'll hear his voice. He said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. The Bible said they ministered unto the Lord. They ministered unto, before they'd done any kind of work anywhere else, they were ministering to the Lord. They were doing things that nobody else knew about but him. When's the last time you've done something like that, that you gave an offering that only he knew about, that you gave something to him that only he understands? I appreciate people that weep and cry before God because that's a language that only God understands. They ministered unto the Lord. They'd done things that would only please Him. They were cupbearers that only He would be happy. When is the last time you really considered what God wanted out of the situation? Now we're always dividing, splitting parties, this side and that side. And I don't care how righteous you are, most of the time, God ain't on either side. Anytime there's separation, He's not on any side. He's in the middle saying, it's time to come together. It's time for unity. It's time to bear the cup. When's the last time we brought an offering that only He would be pleased with? Or maybe He would understand and only He would get the glory from that only he would get the glory from. Once they bared the cup, when they made it about him, he separated them and sent them. He said, that's the kind of people I want to work with. I want to work with people that's going to be here for me, that's going to minister to me, and then they can minister to other people. They can touch other lives when I can trust them that they will serve a kingdom beyond themselves. There's only one agenda, and that's to serve the king. It's about a kingdom. Matthew 6 and 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. I heard a preacher say recently, me and Brother McGee was talking about this. He said, we speak a lot about kingdom-mindedness and about being kingdom-minded. And this man told me, he said, the truth is every one of us is kingdom-minded. And I immediately disagreed with him. I thought, no, you're wrong, Doc. Not everybody's kingdom-minded. But then he went on to say, he said, yeah, everybody's kingdom-minded. He said, but the question is, whose kingdom are you minding? 
I thought, doctor, you got something there. That's true. Is it my kingdom? Better be careful saying it's your kingdom because then it's your desires, then it's your wants, and then it's your need. That's at the top of the list, which that can't work in this kingdom because you've got to be last of all and you've got to be servant of all. Got to be careful saying my ministry. Is it my ministry? Am I only going where I want to go? Am I only doing what I want to do? Is it my work? Is that really where I'm at? I want to bear the king's cup. I want to be a servant to the king. I want him to know it's not about me. I want to do whatever he wants me to do. Jesus said himself, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine. Oh, God, I wish somebody would lift their hands and say that. So powerful, but thine be done. Not my will, but thine be done. Can you pray that prayer? Or have you got so wrapped up in it, it's got to be your way? Mount Carmel needs cupbearers. That's what they need. They don't need talent. They need cupbearers. They don't need someone that's got it all together. They need somebody that's depending on a God who can give them increase, a God who can give them strength, a God who can move heaven and earth. Okay. Let's buckle up. This could get crazy. I'm very serious because I feel like there's going to be a lot of you, including myself, that can relate to this. Okay, Genesis 29, 16. I don't know how to prepare you for it. Let's just do it. Genesis 29, 16. Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah. And the name of the younger was Rachel. God, I'm preaching to myself tonight. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel. Don't we love Rachel? We all love Rachel. And said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel. I'm in this thing for Rachel. I've got my eyes on Rachel. She's the one I want. She's the younger daughter. She's my choice. That's what I want. Laban said, it is better that I give her thee that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years Everybody say seven years. You'll serve for something that you love. I tell you how you find out when you have lost your love is when you've lost your servanthood. That's simple math. You don't want to serve, you've lost your love. Jacob served seven years for Rachel, ladies and gentlemen, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love that he had. When you're in love with something, it don't matter. When you are in love with something so strong, you'll do anything. It's what kind of love our church needs. It's the kind of love that we need today. A love for God that details really don't matter. I love him so much, I'll do whatever he wants me to do. What's the Bible say? For God so loved the world, he gave. That's why he loved. He gave. He served. He loved so much that he gave. He loved so much that he served. Love for the king will carry you a long way in this kingdom. When you love something enough, you will give. When you are separated from love, you will stop serving. You'll stop serving. Romans 8 and 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine, nakedness, pearl, sword, as it is written, for thy name's sake we are killed all the day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things to come, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If nothing can separate us from his love, nothing can separate us from his cup. But death will try to separate us from his cup. Principalities will try to separate us from the cup. Don't let anything separate you from the love of Christ. If you bear the love, you will bear his cup. Do you hear me? If you bear the love, you will bear his cup. You got to be careful getting separated from the cup of servanthood. You can't make this about you. 
This world will try to get you to make it about you, but you can't make it about you. Once you've done that, you've put down the cup. Once there's stipulations involved, once there's fine print, you've lost love. When Peter was led by God to the house of Cornelius, once he arrived being led by angels, my Lord, Cornelius fell down and started worshiping him. Began to worship the preacher. But Peter, the cupbearer, shut down worship. Shut down human worship. And he said, rise up. I am but a man. You see, Peter was a cupbearer. Cupbearers will not receive worship. They know worship is reserved for one and one alone. Young preacher, it doesn't matter if you were escorted in by the angels. God is the only one who desires and deserves worship. Sometimes the greatest of opportunities are destroyed because of people that will receive what only belongs to the king. Moving on. Verse 21, tell your neighbor, buckle up. Jacob said unto Laban, after all of those years, give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. In other words, it's payday. I've been in this kingdom long enough. I've prayed, I've served. And this is what I want. Laban gathered all together, all the men of that place, and made a feast, and it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him. And he went into her, and Laban gave him his daughter Leah Zilpah, his maid, for a handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, everyone say in the morning, behold, it was Leah. It was Leah. After seven years of serving, you were expecting Rachel, but you got Leah. You was, you was expecting the pretty situation, but you got the ugly situation. And he said unto Laban, he said, what is this? He says, what? Have you ever had a day like this? You ever had a day like that? That you woke up and thought it should be Leah, but it ain't. I mean, it should be Rachel, but it ain't Rachel, it's Leah. You thought it was going to be Rachel in the morning, but you woke up and it was Leah. You thought, surely this was the day when things were going to change. Surely this was the day that everything was going to unfold for you. That the doctor's reports were going to change. That the day would actually loan you the money for that business that you've been wanting to build. That all of a sudden everything would come together. But no, after seven days you wake up. After seven years you wake up with the unfortunate sight of Leah. It's not fair. How do we handle unfair circumstances? You thought surely this day things would change, but you realize you're still left with Leah. Some days you feel like you deserve Rachel, but the reality is many times you wake up and it's Leah. My question is, can you still bear the There's something about that seventh year. There's a transition. There's a growth there. It's like, what are you going to do now? Yeah, you thought you was going to have it your way. You thought everything would be perfect, but you wake up and you're disappointed. How are you going to react? Are you going to put down the cup, or will you pick up the cup and say, let me serve a little longer? I'm being confrontational with you, Mount Carmel, but hear me. Can you still bear the cup when you feel like you're getting cheated, when you feel like it ain't going your way? Can you still bear the cup when you're frustrated and wondering when you're going to get the break? Can you bear the cup? J 
Jacob, although disappointed and frustrated, Genesis 29 and 26 says, and Laban said, it must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week and we'll give thee this also for the service which thou hast served with me yet seven years. What are you gonna do, Jacob? Your timeline has been wrecked. It's not happening as fast as you thought it would. What is your response? What happens when your miracle is delayed? What happens when your promise is put off? What happens when God throws your timeline out the window and says you're gonna have to wait on my timeline? Are you gonna sit down and get bitter? Are you gonna quit and give up? Or will you grab that cuff and say, God, I wanna serve a little more. What's your response, Jacob? Verse 28 says, and Jacob did so. Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. You know what Jacob said? Jacob said, sign me up for another seven. Sign me up for another seven. Yeah, I'm disappointed. Yeah, I wish things were different. Yeah, I wish I could have got it a lot sooner. I hate to wait, but let me tell you, when push comes to shove, I'm not putting down my cup. I said I'm not putting down my cup. I know some of you here tonight, you're disappointed, you're frustrated, and the enemy wants you to quit and give up on God. But God's saying, come on, just serve me a little longer. Come on, there's a kingdom at hand. Will you bear the king's cup? Can you serve him beyond seven years? Can you serve him when you feel like you've been cheated? Can you serve him when it hadn't happened as fast as you would like? Stand and lift your hands. Sign me up for another seven. Don't let anybody pry that cup out of your hand. Don't let jealousy pry that cup out of your hand. You watch others blessed and you're waiting for Rachel, but you still wake up with Leah. God says don't put down that cup just yet. You keep serving. You keep teaching that Sunday school. You keep preaching that youth chapel. You keep going to the nursing home. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. You keep feeding the poor. You keep making meals for widows. You keep doing what God's called you to do. Don't put down your cup. Come on, lift it up. Lift up his hand. Not only am I going to still go to church, but I'm still coming to prayer meeting. Are you hearing me? When my feelings are hurt, I'm not even going to quit prayer meeting. I'm going to drag my hurt self all the way to the church parking lot, and I'm getting out the door, and I'm going in to pray because I'm going to let the devil know I will not stop serving this church. I will not stop serving this kingdom. Let's lift our hands to him. Stand with me. Stand with me. Stand with me. I want the music to come. I've been so honored. Brother McGee, thank you. Thank you guys for serving and supporting us and praying for us and helping us make these trips because it's been life-changing for me. In my travels, I have, I've, I've been so privileged to meet cupbearers. Our, our Middle East director right now, when he was a child, his, his, his apartment was bombed. He's got scars on the inside of his leg where shrapnel came in and he almost lost his life, almost lost his family. But he's still got a heart to go back to those dangerous territories because he's bearing a cup. He's saying, God, it ain't about me. Sure, it'd be safer if I'd stay in the United States. Sure, it would be safer if I stayed out of some of those places. But I'm bearing a cup. When I was in Germany, I met a great cup bearer. He's a young man. His parents immigrated from Iran. He and his family have a Muslim background, so you can imagine the situation that he's in. His name is Nima. This young Iranian man and his sister received the Holy Ghost and was baptized in Jesus' name. And now Nima has accepted his call to preach.
And Nehemiah found out about my upcoming trip to the Middle East. And during our conversations, I'll never forget seeing that young man weep with tears in his eyes. In all the places that he wants to go and minister with tears in his eyes, he said, Brother Chester, I want to go to Iran and preach the gospel. I thought, my God, son, do you realize that if you go there and you are a Muslim and they know you've been converted, they can kill you on the spot. But deep down, he wants to reach those people. He's got a heart to serve. To put his life in harm's way. To serve. But sometimes we stop here in America just because we're hurt, our feelings are hurt. I never forget meeting a missionary years ago. Never forget the scars that he bore on his face. Like he had been through a tragic accident. The truth was, he had when he was a child. He lived in Haiti and his parents were extremists in the religion of voodoo. And in a ritual one night, they poured hot, fiery, liquid metal through the nostrils of, his, of this child. And they tried to kill him. And after they poured that hot, hot, liquid fire, that metal in his nose down his sinus cavity, they threw him in a ditch and expected him to die. But his grandmother rescued him and saved his life and brought him to the United States. Later on in life, someone witnessed to him and God filled him with the Holy Ghost and called him to preach. Actually, when he spoke in tongues was the first time he was able to speak. It was a miraculous thing. They actually took, he actually had to, up to that point, he had to use some medical, uh, some kind of device so that he could speak because the damage was still so severe from that liquid metal being poured down his throat and he spoke in tongues. And that was one of the first things he'd ever said. And from that point, God gave him his voice back and he he started preaching the word of God. I ran into him when I was in Hot Springs, Arkansas, Sister McGee, and I'll never forget looking at him, looking at the bears, scars on his face. He's, he was in the country, but you know what he was doing? He was raising money to go back, to go back to Haiti, where he had suffered all that abuse, all that pain, but he still had a burden for the Haitian people. He had recently been there, and he told me that his house was shot up with assault rifles. He barely escaped by his own life, and he got to the United States, and he's wanting to go back. You know why? Because he's a cutberry. He don't care. He says, God, if you've called me, I don't care what it costs me. I don't care if it costs me my life. I don't care what it costs me. I want to do what you want me to do. When Jesus was on the cross in a mocking way, the Bible says that they wrote King of the Jews. But we all know in this room that a real king died on that cross that day. Can you say amen if you believe that? After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, saying, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled it with a, excuse me, filled a sponge with vinegar, and they put it upon a hyssop and put it to his mouth. You see, the king was thirsty. He wanted water, but they brought him vinegar. He desired something refreshing, but they gave him bitterness. You see, some things are repulsive to God. There's some things he don't want to intake. When the children of Israel came to the bitter waters and thirsted, they could not drink those waters because they were bitter. The waters needed cleansing. And I believe sometimes our worship is rejected, our offering is denied because we carry bitterness and unforgiveness in our hearts. And bitterness will always be a sign of a lack of a cross in somebody's life. I want to be a cupbearer like David that will worship and forgive. I don't want to be like Saul that's so full of jealousy and always armed with a spear and with a javelin. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to disarm in this kingdom. The truth is, is you cannot bear a javelin of jealousy at the same time you bear the cup of servanthood. Once you bear a grudge, you have set down your cup whether you want to admit it or not. If you truly want to bear the cup, and I felt God spoke this to me today. If you truly want to bear the cup, you've got to bury the grudge. It was recently in Florida, in a great revival in South Florida. In this revival, I witnessed one of the most amazing things my eyes have ever witnessed. 
a preacher in the church there was on fire for God, reaching his world. He teaches Bible studies every week. He had a bad childhood. He had a father that abused him and practiced voodoo on him as well. He was a Haitian man. The Lord helped him overcome so much, and recently the Lord gave him a burden for his abusive stepfather. And he invited him to church, and I was so privileged to be there the morning that he came to the altar. And this voodoo practice in Haitian showed up on a Sunday morning. And God moved. The love of God hit his heart and he lifted up his hands. And before he could speak in tongues, that son was right there with him. Praying for that father. I will never forget seeing the son lay hands on his abuser and witnessing him speak in tongues. When it was all said and done, they were weeping and crying together. And the next night, that converted Haitian was praying for others and worshiping God. Ladies and gentlemen, forgiveness is possible. We've got we to put down the javelin. We've got to quit being so mad and bitter at everybody else. We've got to bear the cup tonight. Won't you lift your hands with me right now? I want to bear the cup. There's somebody in this room right now that's got some bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart, but you've got to bear a cup. You've got to, you, you, you can't go another day without bearing the cup, without picking up that cup and saying, God... Lord, help me, Lord. Anoint me, Lord. I don't want to be a javelin bearer. I don't want to be somebody with an agenda. I don't want to be somebody with a grudge. I don't want to be angry and frustrated and mad at my family all the time. God, I want to bear your cup. I want to be a king's cup bearer. When you're thirsty, I want to be there. I don't want to be sitting in my pew with all of my issues. I want to be in the altar with my cup. Even though tears is coming down my face, God, I'm here with my cup saying, God, use me. Oh, God, use me. Me. Come on, stand if you're not standing. Stand with me right now. Lift up your hands as high as they'll go. He's looking for some cupbearers. I don't know your situation. I know that I've said a lot tonight, and I'm sure I've walked in places that scared some of you half to death. But I'm wondering if 100% everybody in this room would just make their way down to this altar with their hands up. Maybe some of you would just want to pick out a place on this carpet and get down on your hands and knees and say, God, I want to surrender my cup to you. I want to hold my... I'm putting down the javelin. I'm putting down my grudge. I'm putting down my, my bitterness. I'm putting away my unforgiveness. And God, I'm picking up a cup. I'm picking up a cup. Lord, fill my cup here. Here it is, Lord. Here it is, Lord. Come on, let's, let's come. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.